Good morning, Idaho. Hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the local Yokel Idaho podcast, where we talk about what is going on in the wonderful state of Idaho. This week, I have some super interesting stories for you. First up, an update on the house that the Moscow murders happened in, a sweet surprise from Fancy Freeze, and to top it all off, a story about people shooting model planes. Really interesting on that one. With that said, please join me for the morning banter, but if you're short on time and prefer to skip the banter, you can. You can use the timestamp that's down in the description to jump straight to the stories. Hello everyone, hope you guys are having a wonderful week. I know it's been a hot one the last couple. Welcome to the morning banter. This is the time that I kind of talk with you guys a little bit unscripted before we get into the bulk of the podcast. If you don't want that and you need to get straight to the news, then use the timestamp down in the description to jump to that as I talked about earlier. With that out of the way, um, as many of you will have noticed, last week's episode was a little bit later than usual. Sorry about that. There were a bunch of different factors that went into that because I was like expecting to try to do an interview with someone and so I was pushing it out and then tiredness and other life. Yeah. A bunch of factors kind of went into that to kind of affect the reason why it was late. So with that said, because of that, there will be no holidays and weekly facts this week for this episode, just to save time, because since that one was later and kind of chewed into this week, it also ate into the production time for this podcast episode. And so to make sure everything ran smoothly and on time and with all the stories that you guys were looking forward to hearing and everything... I decided to kind of cut it off to make sure I could make the cut time, shall we say, for this. Thankfully, it's not too horribly tight, um, but it's all working out, so we say. So no holidays and weekly facts this week. Sorry about that. Um, Hopefully have that back next week. But we have some really cool stories coming up. I know I was going through these, and this week I kind of... I try throughout the week to write the stories to do, okay, let me check on Monday, and then I'll write a couple, and then Tuesday and write a couple. That way I only have a couple I have to write a day, and then it makes the production really quick and easy and less stressful. But I actually had to end up writing all of these on one day for the scripts for all of them because of the tight timeline that everything was running on this week, or last week for you guys. Um, But with that said, when I was writing them, it really wasn't a lot of work because a lot of these stories were really, really interesting, and I really, really enjoyed them. Um, not as much that I enjoyed the Moscow murder one, but I know it was something that you guys wanted to hear about and kind of updates, but a bunch of different ones, including from like the model planes, getting to shoot those with paintballs. That's a very interesting story. I came across and I was like, what? This can't be possible. And then I ended up going and reading through it. I'm like, well, I guess it is. So we're going to throw that on there. Or I guess it's kind of a bit of an aviation theme this week. And then there was Uh, There's another story that we're going to get to that's talking about um, these antique aircraft that there was a flight that happened up in Sound Point. Um, I wanted to go up there, but I I wasn't able to find the details until like after it, after the event happened. I was like, oh, cool. I found their website and I found all the stuff and things to go do it. But thankfully, it's an annual thing. So if you read that article and hear that and everything and want to go do it or see it or go up to Sam Point next year, they're going to have it again. And you can even sign up beforehand to go fly and different stuff. But I'm giving away a bit of details, shall we say there. But With all that said, I know this last week has been awfully hot. It's been awesome. I've seen the corn in the valley and everything just spring up. I don't know about the rest of the state. I don't, if you guys want to write in and let me know, and I can talk about that next week on the morning banter about like the agriculture in the area with the heat. We don't like it, but it's been nice to see the corn getting bigger and crops kind of growing and then all the wheat harvest. And I've heard some friends that do different, um, 
hay harvesting and stuff, and they're really enjoying this nice longer period of dryness so they can harvest everything. I also went and helped a family a week or two back. No, no, about a week back. Um, harvest some ginger and stuff, and that was that was enjoyable. Granted, it wasn't a ton of ginger to harvest. Like they're not doing it on a commercial scale. They just had several, I think, like twenty feet rows that they had in there that they needed help with. I think we ended up with a couple hundred, maybe thousand different heads of uh, ginger. Which you know, I'm not gonna say no to ginger. It's delicious stuff. I love it. And there's a million things you can do for it. Plus, on the topic of kind of up north and Sandpoint, I plan on going up there and going hiking. It just hasn't worked out yet. I've been trying to do it. I know as of recording this, this is Saturday, I think. It was the day I was going to try to go up and do some hiking and then go by the, I think it's the Sawtooth kind of festival that's occurring up north there to go visit that and do some hiking and things. But that ended up not happening because I had to make this and I'm recording and then all the writing and everything that had to happen for it. But rest assured, I will get up north. I will get to visit up there, central Idaho. I'm coming. I will eventually get there and get to hike and have some amazing footage that I can post on the Twitter and different stuff. Also, kind of unrelated, but sort of, I am going to try again to get an Instagram for those that have been following for a bit. I started an Instagram for this podcast. And then I think it's because Instagram is trying really heavily to keep bots low and everything. I started it and then I didn't put any posts up, if you know what I mean like that. And then I was like commenting people's stories and then posting stories, but I didn't put a post post and then it flagged me as a bot or whatever. And then I tried to like recover the account or whatever or repeal the censorship or whatever thing that they did. And then they said, nope. And then it locked it for like a hundred days or something like that. And I think that time has passed now so I can try again. Um, so if you've ever been wondering why the podcast doesn't have an Instagram page, it's not for a lack of me wanting to do it. It's just that uh, me and Facebook don't get along very well, especially when you're making an account that isn't like a person. Like this podcast is kind of a person because I'm the person who's doing the podcast, but I don't want it to have any of my super personal stuff because it's the podcast. It's not just me. It's a, it's a business. It's another entity. It's not a personal account, but they're wanting, you know, birth dates and they're wanting full names and stuff. And I'm like, what? Why do you need all of this for like a content channel about stuff? And it's not my content channel. It's about podcasting in Idaho and stuff. And I don't know. Uh, Facebook is very tricky. And as we all know, loves to have their data and hoover up as much as humanly possible about you. So any case, I hopefully will get that running. Until then, Twitter is always available. And I doubt they're going to pull me down for stuff, even if I went off the rails, which I won't. It's a family-friendly podcast. And such is the content I post on Twitter as well. So if you want that, uh, follow over there. I try to regularly like post different interesting events that are happening in the Valley. So you, you have the event episode I do. But I'll try to make sure to grab from that and post on Twitter. So it's a little quicker and a little bit more relevant. And you can get to it. Um, nicer, but if you want it the quickest possible, the Idaho events roundup is like the quickest one you can go listen to. But in any case, that's all I've got to share for the morning banter here, and we'll jump straight into the stories. Starting off with our first news story here. I know it's a little bit of a downer, but I know there's a lot of you guys that are interested and it's a topic a lot of people are curious about and want to know more about. So kind of updating you as things go along with it. Here's a little bit of an update about the Moscow murder case, in particular, the house that the murders happened in. 
the home at 1122 King Road in Moscow, Idaho. As many of us know, it was where the scene of a quadruple homicide in November of 2022 happened. Four of the University of Idaho students, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, Santa Kornrodel, and Katie Konkalvis. A suspect has been arrested and charged with the four counts of first-degree murder and is awaiting trial. The trial is scheduled to begin in October 3rd of this year. The University of Idaho announced on February 2023 that the home would be demolished. The demolition was scheduled to take place in June 2023, but it was paused until October of this year. The reason for the delay is that the prosecution and the defense attorneys in the case have not reached a plea agreement. For understandable reasons, the demolishment of the house is a sensitive issue for the victims, families, and the community. Some people believe that the home should be demolished as soon as possible, while others believe that it should be preserved as a crime scene. The University of Idaho said it will continue to consult with the victims' families and the community before making a final decision about the demolishment. Which is, I kind of just went over in my script there, it is a little bit of a hot-button issue. I know for me, and I come from more of the analytical side of it, I don't know why you would want to do this so quickly, especially while the case is still going on. You don't have a guy completely convicted yet. I know it looks like it's not looking too good for him, and I think they've got a pretty good case to kind of throw him in jail for it. Yeah, I don't get why they're trying to move so fast to get rid of the building when there might be more evidence or say the court or the hearing or different things. They want to go back to the house to do some more questions that, you know, get raised or whatever else. Um, why they're trying to move so fast on it. I could understand kind of like the social side of it where it's just like, we don't want to have to do this. We want to clean our hands of it and be done with it. But I would say that decision should be held off kind of what it looks like here until after the case has finished and either the person is convicted or not convicted of it or whatever else. And then they can move on from there because there may be other evidence that can be found, yada, 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 you know. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm on the personally um, after that point, if the person is convicted, um, I don't know. Part of me says leave it because it's kind of a certain amount of a historical or element in I think Idaho history a little bit because a lot of people remember and a lot of people internationally or not internationally nationally I should say um, know about it and it kind of blew up and not to just kind of sweep it under the rug super quickly but then again I could see where they're like well you know it's in the campus area and we don't want people to you know try to be breaking in or different things and all the other legalities of trying to make it like a historic place or whatever so I I don't know it's a really tricky needle the thread, I will admit for myself, trying to think of that if I was putting myself in the administrator's shoes that are trying to decide this. Um, it will be interesting to see what they decide. I don't have too much more commentary to kind of give on that. Besides, it will just be interesting to see how they handle it. And I'm glad they stalled and they're going to stop until after the trial occurs and uh, then actually decide what they're going to be doing with it. Granted, this is all mute, I think, if they sit there and they're like, well, we can't convict the person. And so they're like, well, we have to go back for more evidence or we have to find someone else. Or they were like, well, that's not the person. And so they have to do a bunch of other digging and things and like, well, don't demolish the house where the evidence, more evidence could be. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see as that progresses. Continuing with the theme of kind of like tough and serious topics, but we'll get them out of the way. Trust me. Bear with me here. We're going to get to some really good stuff. The next one we have here is Treasure Valley Housing Market for May and June. This comes by several sources. 
So here is an update on the housing market in the Treasure Valley area, a topic I know myself and many of you are very interested in. So the median home price in Ada County was 534900 in June 2023, according to data from Intermountain Multiple Listing Services. This is up from 483450 in June of 2022, so last year, but it is down from its peak of 602500 in May of 2022, last year as well. The median price is the halfway point of all sales, meaning that half of all homes sold for more than five. 534,900 and half sold for less. On the flip side, for Canyon County, the median home price in Canyon County was 415,000 in June of 2023, making it a little bit up from 395,000 in June of 2022 last year. But it is down from a peak of 476,500 in April of 2022. And as I said above, kind of just recapping, the median price is the halfway point for all sales, meaning that half of the homes sold for more than 415000 and half sold for less. The increase in the medium home price in Ada and Canyon counties, as many of us know, is largely due to the influx of new residents to the region. Boise and the surrounding areas have been one of the fastest growing regions in the United States in recent years, and this has put an upward pressure on the housing prices. However, there is some good news for us locals. There is a sign that the housing market may be starting to cool down. The number of homes for sale in Ada County has been increasing in recent months, and the average number of days a home is on the market before it sells has increased. This suggests that there is less of a demand for houses than there was a few months ago. Granted, it's still too early to say whether the housing market is in a full-blown slowdown. However, signs are pointing to a cooling market. Some say if these trends continue, we could see housing prices starting to decline in the coming months which is always great to hear for a local. I mean, as homeowners, you want those prices to stay up because your property value and different stuff. But as local growing up here and wanting to stay in here, don't want to move. I don't want to leave the state. I want to stay here in Idaho. I love it so very, very much. And wanting to move out and get a place, hearing that the prices are kind of coming down is an amazing blessing. And for anyone else, I have no doubt that is in a situation where maybe it's a trailer park or a mobile home or something, and they're wanting to get a nice place and they have a large family and they need something bigger. The idea of, okay, cool, the market's coming down. We can kind of get in here. This is going to work out well, right? Um, so kind of a good day update, kind of a bad one. Um, I was interesting. I know we talked about it like a week or two back. And if I remember those numbers, we were seeing kind of way lower than normal. So there was a little bit of an excitement that it might be a lot lower and continue to stay lower because of the way the economy is going and stuff. Um, it doesn't look like that was the case 100%. I mean, it still jumped, but it wasn't as high as it was last year. Which is good to see that, you know, it's kind of coming down a little bit on the year side, shall we say, um, but still reasonably high. And then you add in like the interest rates. And so, yeah, the house price come, has come down, but the amount of down payment and the amount you're going to be paying in interest and all that and everything is... A it is a factor to consider for sure for people that are trying to decide if they want to pull the trigger now or later or whatever. Um, granted, there's always the option of fixer uppers. I know this is probably looking at the vast majority of people that are buying houses that are plug and play and already set up or brand new ones because of this level of demand that's occurring. Um, and so if you're willing to get something that you have to fix up, I have no doubt it'd probably be a lot cheaper than this. But an update I wanted to make sure to get to you guys because I know many of you are interested and are watching the housing market closely just like I am to try to see if I can get a place and in general just to have an idea of how the housing market generally in Idaho is working because it employs a lot of people from all the realtor people that are selling houses, from the people that do the carpentry, the plumbing, the roofing, or the suppliers that are supplying the different wood and siding and 
all that. It has a huge ripple effect um, in different ways, some positive, some negative. But moving out of the kind of serious and uh, concerning or a little bit more downtone stories into something a little bit a little bit more upbeat, we're going to kind of gradually come back into that. McCall wants to reroute I-55. This comes by the Boise Dev by Donde. For those that have visited, traveled through, or live in McCall, most know how frustrating it is to travel through McCall and the downtown area in specific on I-85. Well, it has come out that there is a proposal underway to reroute I-55 around the town of McCall. The current route of Idaho Highway Way 55 through McCall is often congested, especially during the summer months. This is because the highway passes through the town's downtown area, which is a popular tourist destination. The proposed bypass would reroute traffic around the town, which would help to alleviate congestion and improve safety. The proposed bypass would use Dinehart Lane and Boydston Street as the new route for Idaho Highway 55. To do this, some changes would be required to the existing route, the biggest of which is the S-curve that exists between the McCall Fire Department building and the airport runway. The most obvious way would be to straighten the road, thus taking a little bit off the airport runway, then adding to the airport runway towards the south. Also, the new route would be slightly longer than the current one, but it would be more direct and would not pass through the town's downtown area. The city of McCall and the Idaho Department of Transportation are still in the early stages of planning for the bypass. However, they hope to have a final design completed by the end of 2023. If the project is approved, the construction would begin in 2024. With that said, the proposed bypass has been met with mixed reactions from the community. It is reported that some people support the bypass because they believe it will improve traffic flow and safety, while others are opposed to the bypass because they believe it will damage the town's character and disrupt the local economy. For those interested in giving input, the city of McCall is hosting a series of public meetings to gather feedback on the proposed bypass. The next meeting will be held on July 20th at the McCall City Hall. Which, a very interesting development. I will admit this last couple times I've been up in McCall, I've thought about it a little bit that it's like, okay, yeah, this is... Not opportune, but I never like considered rerouting it. But now that it's mentioned, I think it's actually a really good idea um, from my perspective because there's so many people that are downtown and you kind of have it and the road comes and it has to make this like sharp um, 90 to the west to kind of get you because you're coming you're heading north when you come into McCall and then you can't keep going west because you'll run into the lake and they're not going to build a bridge across the lake so you have to come and then you have to take this really sharp left turn that's right there at downtown right at the beachfront and kind of the core of the town and then go left and then kind of reroute through but if you could have a road where it's like yep it kind of easily curves around the airport then goes around kind of bypasses that downtown area so if you're traveling through which I have no doubt there's a ton of traffic on that McCall Road that's heading north that really isn't needing to go through downtown that could just take a left, go around, and it would be a lot smoother and a lot quicker, and they could probably build the lanes a lot larger. I also have noticed when you go up there and visit, and it's kind of in the downtown area, a lot of times that road has to stop, not because of any light or anything, but just because of the fact that there's people that are crossing the street trying to move around because it's a downtown area. People are walking, and then you have, you know, the McCall Ice Cream Alley that's like right there next to that road or whatever, and then people trying to get from the lake over to it and everything. So I think this is a really great idea. It'll be interesting to see if it gets approved and it works out and everything. I don't feel like there's a lot of people that would fight it or be a detractor of it, except for those that might be along the new route that's kind of curving around the other way. 
But then again, I feel like it's inevitable that they're going to eventually have to do something like this. Either this is going to get approved or something's going to get approved because McCall is just a huge hub. You have kind of down, you know, you got the Treasure Valley area, you got Boise and Meridian, Eagle and Caldwell and Nampa that are these big hubs. And then when you're heading up north, McCall's kind of that next really big stop for a really kind of well-developed town before you keep heading north. I mean, there's Cascade there. You guys have a great town. But compared to McCall, it's kind of that central hub for the area. And then you go on further north. Um, and so it's inevitable that McCall is going to just keep growing. It's going to keep adding on to it. And with that growth comes a need for the highway to adapt accordingly. It's not going to be able to keep its kind of old traditional design of the way that it kind of curves and goes through downtown. You're going to need something more efficient because there's going to be a lot of flow that's going to be heading north through it as things increase up north and down in the south and for all the people that are visiting and stuff because it is a beautiful place. I love McCall so much and I am so looking forward to doing some hiking up there. I'm planning on doing it. I don't know if I'll go there first or over to Idaho City. Kind of on a toss-up on that, but both of them are really cool places to go. If you're someone who's just moved to the valley, highly, highly, highly recommend during the summer to go visit a McCall. Maybe not the downtown area. I personally am a person being a local. I don't like it being super busy, but you can kind of stop in Cascade and then maybe go visit over there and then do some hiking or then go out to the Cascade Lake. It's, it's a really, really pretty place, including the Ponderosa Pine Park that's there and many, many interesting sites to see. So if you got some time, highly recommend you go up there. You can kind of see what I'm talking about when it comes to the uh, I-55 and how it goes through the town. But moving on to our next story here and a little bit more positive and fun as I promised moving into those. Fancy Freeze heads to the grocery store. This comes by the Boise Dev by Ann Daly. For those of us in the southern part of Idaho and the Treasure Valley for that matter, most of us know the name of Fancy Freeze for their wonderful ice cream and milkshakes on hot days. Well, they are expanding outside of their offering of frozen treats to even more people. For a little bit of background, Fancy Freeze is a Boise-based fast food chain that has been serving up burgers, fries, milkshakes, and other fast foods to its customers for over 75 years. Well, Fancy Freeze and Albertsons will be partnering to bring pre-made milkshake two-packs from Fancy Freeze to Albertsons stores in Boise, Meridian, Nampa, Caldwell, and Twin Falls. The milkshakes will be available in three flavors, chocolate, strawberry, and mint chocolate chip. The partnership is a win-win for both Fancy Freeze and Albertsons. Fancy Freeze will be able to expand its reach to new customers, and Albertsons will be able to offer its customers a beloved Idaho milkshake. According to the article Fancy Freeze collaborated with a broker to develop a unique packaging that enables the soft ice cream to be stored at lower temperatures without affecting its consistency. They also stressed that no chemicals were used to achieve this. If you're curious, you can find them currently stocked at the Albertsons locations that I mentioned earlier which I have a little bit of a confession to make, even as a born and raised Idahoan, I don't think I've ever had Fancy Freeze. I was writing this and being like, oh, Fancy Freeze. And then I was sitting there and I got finished writing it. And I was like, I don't think I've ever had Fancy Freeze, which is not good. I need to solve that and I need to go do that. And maybe this is an excuse to do it. I can like go and get their freezer one and then get one fresh and then like try the different. Maybe I'll make a video of that. I don't know. We'll see if the time uh, allows. Things are busy, 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 but an idea for a future video, shall we say. But in any case, I think this is super cool to see anytime that I hear of a local company kind of growing, getting bigger and making the offering more available to more people. It's always exciting to me. I hope this like blows up and Fancy Freeze is able to ship this to a bunch of different Alberts and stores in the Northwest and people can get to enjoy it and see it. From everything I've heard, people rave about their milkshakes. 
So I think this is plus. Granted, I'm a little bit of a strawberry milkshake connoisseur. I know everyone's got their own definitions. Personally, for me, the criteria that a good milkshake is, is number one is about the consistency. You don't want it too thick and you don't want it too watery. Because if it's too watery, then it's just kind of water and milk. And then if it's too thick, it's just like soft served ice cream at that point. And for me, that's too thick. I need to be able to get it through a straw, but you want it creamy. You want it frothy. And then the other thing is that the way that they add like the fruit or the flavoring in there, when you get like a cheaper milkshake or whatever, it'll be some mix or powder that they'll put in there. And no matter how well you kind of like mix it and whatever machine they'll use at some businesses or stuff, usually the large fast food chains, you can tell that there's kind of a graininess, a granularness to it in there and it's not really creamy and smooth and so we get a really good milkshake you can have like the chunks of the fruit or whatever they've added in there but you're not going to have any grain it's going to be really really nice and smooth those are kind of the general criteria i feel like i have a third in my brain but i'm blanking it at the moment as of recording it's kind of funny you sit a person in front of a mic and you ask them to record, and they're like, cool, and then they do that, and then the amount of things when I'm recording this sometimes that then after I get done recording, I'm like, you know, you should have said that, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it didn't come to my brain until after the fact, which it it can be a little bit frustrating, shall we say, if any of you know about doing recording or um, other musical or audio-related things, but in any case, very, very cool to see. Um, You guys will have to go out and try it and let me know what you guys think. Are they any good? Are they not? I'm probably going to try to swing by and grab one. And if I do, I'll let you guys know if they're any good or not. So moving on to our next story here. This one, hands down, is probably my favorite of today's stories. And I'm looking forward to going there in the future. I wasn't able to find out all the details before it happened and things. I knew I was talking about it on like the event podcast about this. Um, But even after reading this article, I am so looking forward to going, and I hope you guys will find it interesting as well. Classic Plains in Northern Idaho. This comes by the Shoshone News Press by Carolyn Bostic. As I had been reporting for the last couple of weeks up in Northern Idaho, there was a classic airplane tour last Tuesday. The tour was organized by the Puget Sound Antique Airplane Club, and it featured 30 unique flying planes over the area and took place on July 11th. The planes took off from the Shoshone County Airport in Kellogg, Idaho. And then they flew over a variety of landmarks in the area, including the Silver Valley, Coeur d'Alene, and St. Joe's River. The air tour was a great opportunity for people to see some of the most beautiful parts of the Shoshone County from a different perspective. The planes flew at an altitude of up to 10,000 feet, which gave passengers a stunning view of the mountain, lakes, and rivers in the area. The tour was also a great way for people to learn about the history of aviation in the Shoshone County. Many of the planes that were on the tour there were built in the early 1900s, and they gave passengers a glimpse into the early days of flying. According to reports, the air tour was a success, and it is planned to be an annual event. If you're interested in learning more about the air tour, or if you'd like to sign up for next year's tour, you can visit the Puget Sound Antique Airplane Club website which this is just super cool. I was looking at the few couple of photos that this article had and some different stuff, and I so, so want to go. From what I was reading, if you go into like more of the details of the article, they actually will like take people up with them in the plane there. And you can kind of just, as as I kind of said in the script, experience what it was like to fly in some of these old rotary aircraft. And what I mean by rotary in that sense is the type of engines or radial, my bad. Uh, Rotary refers to the type of propulsion systems that we say, Um, but radial engines where the way that those older engines work is that think of all the pistons you have in a car, but they're, they're 
set in a circle around the drive shaft and they're firing rather than like other systems or different things where you have a central drive shaft and all the pistons are sitting horizontal or vertical or one of the two. Um, all the pistons in those old aircraft were in like a circle all around the drive shaft going off. And it's super cool. I hear some people say that it's like a different experience to fly in aircraft that were kind of designed that way and had engines that run in that type of way. Um, I've never experienced it. Granted, I think it would be a super cool experience to go see and talk about and all the people. And it's cool that the Puget Sound Club um, decided they wanted to come over and did that for the area over there in Shoshone County. If you're someone that went and was able to go do it, please let me know what you guys thought of it. Um, it looks like such a fun, fun event. But then again, I know you can read something on paper and then people can actually go and then they'll be like, well, you know, it was pretty good, but then there was this and this. I'm like, oh, that's a good thing to consider. So please share that with me. So when this comes up again, or if I'm curious, you know, I'm definitely curious of going, um, we can all be better informed about it. Um, but it looks like a super, super cool event. And for those that got to go, man, what a cool treat. And I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And keeping with the aviation theme and adding a little bit of humor, we come to our last story here. I try to save the last one as a kind of fun or unique story here before we move into the quickies. Locals get to shoot at model airplanes. This comes by the East Idaho News by Logan Ramsey. So a really fun and funny one to talk about. Honestly, this looks super cool. There's a unique event that happened in Idaho Falls. A local model airplane flying club hosted an event where people were able to fire paintballs at model airplanes. The event was called, quote, paintball against the air, end quote, and was held on the last Saturday at the Desert Eagles Model Airplane Flight Club in Idaho Falls. The event was open to the public, but there was a fee to participate in the paintball shooting. The goal of the event was to raise money for the Desert Eagles Model Airplane Flying Club. The club is a nonprofit organization that provides a place for people to fly model airplanes and does educational programs about model aircraft. The event featured a variety of model airplanes, including biplanes, jets, and helicopters. Participants fired paintballs at the model airplanes from a safe distance, and the model planes were flown at a low altitude, so participants had a good chance of hitting them. Which, this sounds like a boy's, like dream. I don't know how many times I've flown drones or different model aircraft and stuff because I kind of have a background in remotely operated vehicles like this and different stuff of this nature. And every time I do it and you run into like little boys or kids, they are so fascinated at wanting to shoot them out of the air, shall we say. Especially, especially I flew my drone this year for like the 4th of July and took some aerial footages of uh, fireworks going off and different things. And the amount of kids are like, oh, yeah, they take the Roman candle and they're trying to aim it up at it and hit the drone and stuff. Um, it's just, it seems like an innate desire. Kids see a small little flying craft and like, hit it out of the sky, hit it out of the sky. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool that someone came up and was like, hey, if we've got a couple aircraft that we really don't worry if they get hurt or whatever, and we want to make a fun event for the community and to raise money to support the club and everything, let's do an event where the kids and other adults as well get to like shoot at model airplanes and stuff. This sounds like just a gold mine, and I hope they continue to do this for many years to come. If they do, I plan on dropping by and kind of trying to experience it and see it in action because it looks like such a cool idea and a fun thing to do with the kids and the family. I will admit, I'm a person that has seen the effects of paintball. I know there's people that love it out there. 
I am not one that prefers the welts it leaves on your body. So this is a nice compromise of not shooting at myself and other human beings. The aircraft won't shoot back at me. I can shoot at it and it'll fly around and it can be a challenge and I can improve my target practice rather than getting giant welts all over my body. Now moving into the quickies. These are stories that weren't worth a full story or I just ran out of time to kind of get to them, but I still wanted you guys to hear about them. So I put them here in the quickies. There won't be any commentary to them. I'll just read through them real quick here and get you guys the info about them. First off, we have Flying M in Caldwell Offers Public Refrigerators. This comes by the Boise Dev by Mariela Rodriguez. For those in the Canyon County area, kind of a different and interesting idea is being played out at the Flying M in Caldwell. The Flying M Coffee Place in Caldwell has gotten a new community refrigerator installed. The refrigerator is part of a project of the Canyon County Mutual Aid, which is a nonprofit organization that provides food and other resources to people in need. The refrigerator is located at the Flying M Coffee on 724 Arthur Street in Caldwell. It is stocked with a variety of foods, drinks, including fruit, vegetables, snacks, and other drinks. The community refrigerator is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and anyone can take what they need from the refrigerator. The aim for it is to provide a safe and convenient way for people to access food. The Canyon County Mutual Aid is hoping that the community refrigerator will help reduce food insecurity in the area. They are also hoping that the refrigerator will create a sense of community and connection. Next is Boise School Board Trustees has vacancy. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. Heads up for any of you that care about education and have some free time and live in the Boise area. The Boise School Board is accepting applications to fill a vacancy created by the former trustee Julie Simpson resigning. The board is looking for a qualified individual who are interested in serving on the board. The qualifications include being a registered voter in the Boise School District, being a resident of the district for at least one one year and being able to commit to serve a four-year term. The application process for the board is open until August 11th and applications can be submitted online or by mail. The board will interview applications and select a new trustee at the meeting on August 22nd. Moving on to one about food, new ethnic Thai restaurant in Eastern Idaho. This comes by the Boise Dev by Kately Hart. A new Thai restaurant has opened over in eastern Idaho. The name of the place is Thai208. A very nice Idaho name, I must add. Thai208 was founded in 2022 by... Vara Higby, hopefully I got that right, and her husband. Vara is originally from Thailand, and she and her husband have a lot of experience in working in Thai food restaurants. They decided to start their own food truck as a way to share their love for Thai food with the people of Idaho Falls. Thai 208 serves a wide variety of Thai dishes, including pad thai, green curry, and tom yam soup. Hopefully I got that right. All the dishes are made with fresh ingredients and they use authentic Thai recipes. The food at Thai 208 has seemingly been a hit for locals and they received waves of reviews on Yelp and Facebook and they've been featured in several local news articles such as the one I'm using for this script. With that said, go check it out and let me know if it is worth the press that they're getting. Speaking of foods, Pocatello gets a Dutch Bros. This comes by the East Idaho News by Logan Ramsey. So I didn't know you guys over there in Pocatello didn't have one. I myself am not a big coffee drinker, but I hear people say it's a great place to get coffee. It looks like Dutch Bros is going to be opening its first location in Pocatello here soon. For context, Dutch Bros Coffee is a popular drive through coffee chain that is known for its friendly services, its custom-made drinks, and its generous charitability giving. 
The company has been expanding rapidly in recent years, and they are now looking to open their first location in Pocatello. Dutch Bros has put in an application for a building permit at the currently vacant lot in between the Leshwab Tires and the Snake River Rapid Car Wash on Yellowstone Avenue. It would be around 950 square feet and have 11 parking spots. If approved, the location would open in early 2024. According to quotes from the articles, the general community over there in Pocatello seems very excited about this and are looking forward to it being approved. Now, for the next two stories, I would recommend you might want to move the kids out of the way and not have them listening or just skip over the next two quickies because they're a little bit more serious related to kind of police and death and different things. Boise Police Missing Man. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. The Boise Police Department is asking the public's help in finding a missing man named Michael or Mike Stetter. Stetter was last seen on July 12th at approximately 10 p.m. at his home in the 100 block of North Hillside Drive. Stetter is described as a white male, 5'10", 180 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes. He was last seen wearing a black t-shirt, blue jeans, and black shoes. Stetter's family is concerned for his welfare as he has not been seen or heard from since he was last seen. If you have any information about Stetter's whereabouts, please contact the Boise Police Department at 208-377-6790. And then the last of the two that you might want to skip over here, body found in Eagle near the Boise River. This comes by KTVB7 by Zach Armstrong. This last Thursday evening, a body was found near the Boise River near Eagle. According to the police, it was found by a group of people recreating in the river, and they were turned onto it by the smell of the odor and investigated. The police have not yet identified the body or the gender of the person. They are still investigating if it was crime or accident, but they did say the body had been there for an extended period of time. Now, coming out of those two stories, hopefully you skipped over those for the little ones and a little bit more of an upbeat one. Chinook salmon released into the Boise River. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. For those interested in fish and are in the Treasure Valley area, you may want to turn up the volume on this one. The Idaho Department of Fish and Game released a surplus of Chinook salmon into the Boise River last Friday, July 14th. The salmon were originally raised on the Rapid River hatchery in McCall, Idaho. The release is part of an effort by the Idaho Department of Fish and Game to restore salmon population in the Boise River. The river used to be a major spawning ground for the Chinook salmon, but their numbers have declined in recent years due to a variety of factors. The release of the Chinook salmon into the Boise River is hopefully a sign for the future of these fish in the state. If the salmon are able to spawn successfully, it could help to boost their numbers and restore them back to their former abundance. And coming to our last story here, Idaho State Police get new vests. This comes by the East Idaho News by Andrea Olson. This last Wednesday, July 13th, two local organizers gifted 23 new vests to the Idaho State Police District 6 in Idaho Falls. The Greater Idaho Falls Police Foundation and the Idaho National Laboratory donated the vests. The vests are called, quote, cool vests, end quote, and they are designed to help troopers stay cool on the job. The vests are made of special materials that wick moisture and help to regulate body temperature. Captain Chris Wedick of the Idaho State Police District 6 said the cooling vests are a welcome addition to the troopers' gear. He said that the vests will help troopers stay safe and comfortable in hot weather. The donated cooling vests are greatly appreciated, and it's heartwarming to witness the community supporting our local law enforcement. Much gratitude to the Greater Idaho Falls Police Foundation and the Idaho National Laboratory for their kindness. that said and closing up the podcast thank you for listening to the entire podcast i sincerely hope you found it enjoyable and valuable 
If I missed any important points or provided incorrect information, please feel free to reach out to me via email at localyokelidaho2022 at gmail.com or on Twitter by tweeting me at localyokelidaho. As a one-man show, I'm not able to cover everything, but I do my best to cover the most interesting and important stories. Thank you for your continued support and assistance. That's all for now, and I wish you a fantastic rest of your week. Godspeed. Godspeed.